When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like, I wonder, too, like, why coal catches that smoke so much. You know, you mentioned it, you know, um, that, you know. With the pump stuff. And- yeah, you know, and an entire generation seems to kind of go at him. Um, and do, do you think that he is more preachy or judgmental in his music than, like, a Kendrick or someone else? Like, why do you think people target coal? I think hip hop will always be a void for the people. Reggie Williams, happy Father's Day, man. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm living the dream. Happy Father's Day to you, too. Are you still not claiming your kids? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Yo, man, I'm glad uh, Glad you got the Windex and fixed the camera, man. You Yo. Get, you were getting a real spear campaign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pun intended, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. I'm looking crispy clear now, man. I had no idea. I thought it was the sunlight. Yeah. yeah man, uh, your DMs, you know, they're going to be open and, and full. You know? <laughs> How you doing, man? You talked to your dad today? Uh, I did. I did. I, I actually saw him in the week, and uh, I meant to hide a, a card, you know, somewhere in his luggage, but I forgot to, so he'll get the card Monday or Tuesday. But, uh, yeah. yeah, man, I'm glad to have him in my life. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yo, I want to dive into the music. Uh, yeah. this, this was one of the most active music weeks we've had in a long time. Uh, Definitely. I want to start with, with Cole. So, uh, Snow in the Bluff, um, Cole got a lot of flack over that song this week. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your take on the song and, and, and break down why he got the flack? Yeah, I mean, um, my take on the song was it's it's cool. You know, in the you know, artists have the ability to make a record now and upload it and share it with millions in a matter of hours. And, you know, we've seen, we've seen real time stream of consciousness in, in all music, but in hip hop a lot over the last five years. And I feel like elite artists such as Kendrick and J. Cole have taken advantage of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a cool record. It's, it's where J. Cole's mind was at. And it's, it, it kind of, I personally would say it's a record that kind of comes on the defensive, um, but it also was a bit on the offensive. Um, so when it came out of this, from what I understand, you know, uh, No Name, uh, formerly known as No Name Gypsy, had tweeted earlier in the week, and I don't have the tweet in front of me to read it to you verbatim, but it was a criticism of your top rappers not saying or doing much in the form of activism or protests over the last um you know over the last month you know in the wake of 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 George Floyd really but in the greater conversation um of you know all that we've been talking about so she didn't name anyone no name um pun intended but uh J. Cole took umbrage with that and he doesn't mention her uh, by name in the song, but the fans, you know, the listeners put it together that the record was in response to the tweet and, you know, confirmed as much 
in a subsequent tweet after the record by J. Cole, and then No Name came with her own response, Song 33, um, over Mad Lib production. So it's been a crazy week on that front. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of discourse there. So um, does that does that explain kind of the, the origin here? It, it does. You know, so, dude, it's, uh, I got a lot of thoughts about it. So first of all, you know, just the criticism is something that the criticism of rappers not stepping up is something that Chappelle addressed. You know, we talked about straight on, um, straight up in his 846 uh, special last week. In response to Don Lemon and others, yeah. Yeah, just just uh, the notion that you know, artists, comedians, entertainers, their job right now might not be to be speaking publicly about this stuff, but actually, you know, getting out and doing stuff. You know, yeah. uh, marching, protesting, donating, you know, all the things that they're doing. And I've seen Cole being very active, as he always is. We talked about that last week. Yeah. You know, so uh, I guess one, I'm, you know, surprised that he even took it that way, because I would think that as J. Cole, um, you know, given his body of work, given, you know, you know both, you know, um, on the microphone and off, I wouldn't, if I was Cole, take any personal offense at you know, whatever words no name said, because I would just assume that it didn't apply to me. Right. That's one. Secondly, um, putting that aside, obviously he took it the way he did. Uh, I started thinking about how the media, uh, you know, starts to kind of pit people against one another. You know what I mean? And, you know, we've done this, we did this for years, um, you know, and I'm sure we are as guilty of it as others, you know, sometimes just trying to find lyrics that um, could be directed toward another to kind of create that, like that, that tension and like get the debate going. Yeah. Um, you know, but I found that in listening to Cole's song, he wasn't really being critical of her as much as, as commentating on, you know, just his take, his, his take on what she said. Um, and, putting out words that I think may have been applicable applicable to her, but also more other people. So the way I took it is he's saying, look, we want people to step up and do more things. The way to do that isn't to try and shame them and to be critical of them, but to, you know, be more constructive in the dialogue. Um, It's basically, you know, there's a bully pulpit out there. Yeah. You know, um, social media is a bully pulpit. And, you know, the very people who have been victimized over the years are now like victimizing others. Um, and it's an eye for an eye is not necessarily the best way of getting things done. You know, so <laughs> I, I, I took Cole as, as being trying to be kind of constructive in that, not necessarily tearing her down. You know? Yeah, I mean, and it was it was um, the, the the final lyrics of the song kind of before the outro part of it is, you know, he questions himself like, you know, he's walking out of a store and somebody says, yo, thanks for all that you've been doing. And he kind of you know, in soliloquy says, am I doing enough? And I thought that was interesting too, because J. Cole absolutely, you know, even before the Ferguson protests has been somebody that I look at as an artist that walks it like he talks it. And I know, and I'm not accusing no name of this, but we saw it going into KOD. You know, J. Cole pays a price for that. You know, people find him sometimes to be preachy or you know whatever and and there was a whole movement and we saw that in the conversation he had with little pump of you know cloud artists cloud rappers that enjoyed making fun of j cole and enjoyed trolling him and then he used that moment 
1985 to respond to them and then take it one step further and have the conversation with pump on the couch. Um, and yeah, I mean, maybe this is just discourse. I mean, in her response, no name, you know, kind of doubled down on her own point too, of that, you know, we have, um, you know, black trans lives that matter and there are women that have gone missing and are not getting coverage in the media. And where are the tweets? Where is the kind of leadership um, so she feels the way that she feels. And, and certainly, you know, she's been an activist for years upon years too. And it was interesting. Um, you know, these are two artists to your point of like, we often look at ways of like subliminals, you know, you can go back to EPMD versus Eric B and Rakim for that, you know, of like, Oh, is he getting at so-and-so here? Um, you know, these two artists have caught a photo together, like a friendly photo years ago, the Joe Budden podcast used it as their artwork this week on Saturday. So there clearly is respect, but there is a misunderstanding. And I find, you know, I've dealt with it in my circles of like, when it comes to activism and protest and wokeness, people often judge one another. Like, if you didn't put a photo up of you at a rally, were you really at the rally? Were you really donating? Were you doing this and doing that? And I think that that often comes from just overall frustration of, you know, the fact that, you know, Breonna Taylor's killers are still not been, you know, arrested. That's just one example. But these issues linger and oftentimes the folks that are fighting the fight at some point can judge one another. And I'm not accusing no name of that. I'm just saying that from a from a step back of it. You know, like I understand that. Yeah, it becomes a distraction, right? Because, you know, the substance of Cole's song, like, you know, is really... You know, like you said, he ended talking about like, you know, I can do more. Like I, yeah. I do need to get out. We all need to get out and do more. And, you know, instead of, you know, talk celebrating two artists who are really about it. Now we've got a situation where they're being critical of one another and it's all about beef and drama and to end, and further distraction from the actual problem, which is the systemic racism they're both trying mm -hmm. to address. So. I don't know, man. It, it feels, uh, it, it's very unfortunate. Like, I wonder too, like, why Cole catches that smoke so much. You know, you mentioned it, you know, um, that, you know. With the pump stuff. And yeah, you know, and an entire generation seems to kind of go at him. Um, and do, do you think that he is more preachy or judgmental in his music than like a Kendrick or someone else? Like, why do you think people target Cole? I don't understand that. I mean, you know, early in his career, I, um, I found, and J. Cole has spoken about this himself. I mean, you know, with that first album, A Sideline Story, he was trying to get in where he fit in. And, you know, we really watched um, seven years ago this week with Born Sinner, J. Cole begin a trajectory of stepping into his own. And you can look at that at a number of levels, from what he's saying to what he stands for, to not using features, to not, you know, altering his production and not necessarily being so quick to work with everyone. Um, yeah, I mean, Cole is, is just an interesting, um, an interesting artist that way. And, and not for nothing either. Like, I forget the name of the record. You, you probably know it off top. But, you know, a few years ago, he made the song um, with the video between albums. And you and I disagreed of whether he was talking about... Middle Show? No, no, no. Um, oh, oh uh, the one with the... He used the, uh, the Waves beat. Yeah, uh, he, was, he was on the bus. Yeah, um, right, right, right. And yeah. and that I mean, I give cool credit because so often people are so sanitized and so polite with each other, quote unquote, industry. And, you know, J. Cole 
in that case with Wale, who's his, you know, his man. Like they, pro- lost profits, right? Lost false profits. False profits, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, he was able to kind of take him to the mat and be like, my man, like you are who you are, like accept your place, do better, but don't spend like and that's just a different kind of aesthetic than we see from artists. So I don't think we're gonna hear or see much more from either cool or no name on this issue. It just becomes a talking point. And it's, I did see this one fall across, um, you know, lines of, I won't say like I saw J. Cole try to get canceled, but I saw him really in the crosshairs of a lot of frustration online this week, you know, especially, you know, no name, he kept using that point about the patriarchy. Um, You know, you are using your time and your platform to, respond to you know a black woman a woman of color who's promoting all this thing instead of turning it to the people but that's artistic license and again like this is not the first time that j cole has used a lucy to drive discourse that involves other artists yeah you mentioned that uh, that that notion of you know people attacking each other for not doing enough and i've seen a lot of that too you know and I just think it's really unfortunate, man, because um, we're targeting each other. You know, those of us who are really aligned at trying to like make change instead of like, you know, venting our frustration at the system that has caused uh, yeah. the oppression, you know, and I don't know. I, I do tend to think that it's calculated. I think that we're, we're pitted against each other by design. I mean, we know that for a fact that, you know, uh, Facebook was used that way in the last election, you know, um, yeah, to sow that kind of like divisiveness when, you know, this is the perfect time for us to be unified. I I just think it's unfortunate. Well, I think the us there too, I mean, I'm not sure that I'm included on that. And I say that as as a, as a, as a white guy, and we kind of disagreed on the term black music in our last podcast, not disagree. I think we were saying the same thing, but I treat it a little bit differently as, as a guest or as an outsider who feels I belong, you know, to hip hop. Um, and grew up with it and, and feel I'm part of the culture. But in this case, like, you know, I see a lot of white businesses and white people that are, okay, where do you stand? Like, you know, and that, I, I think that there's validity to that, you know, of like, okay, like you've been pandering to black culture for all these years, you as a company, where do you stand, you know, apparel brand or, you know, insurance company that uses hip hop lexic. Like, I'm curious about that. But when it comes to people that I know in their heart of hearts want to see uh, systemic, you know, racism and oppression end, you're absolutely right. They should not be pitted against one another. If anything, um, you know, they are using their platforms in different ways. And, you know, again, I'm a white guy, but I looked at J. Cole's song, Snow on the Bluffs, and I asked myself daily, am I doing enough? And the answer is probably not. Yeah, you know, so there was an outcry, not just from No Name, but lots of people. You and I mm-hmm. even talked about it as to where were the artists, you know. Um, and, you know, on Juneteenth, Friday, uh, there was just a slew of songs that came out. There was there was Cole, um, you know, Reason dropped something. Um, very Beyonce. Very powerful song. Beyonce, uh, Anderson Pack. Uh Public reason with DJ Premier. Yes, reason. Yeah, yeah, reason, reason, reason. His joint. Um, there was a ton of stuff. So, um, one, what do you think about that? Do, 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 
I'm, I'm very happy that, that people spoke up and, you know, put their voices to use. It feels a bit calculated, though, um, to have it all come out on Juneteenth, like almost like it's like a, a marketing ploy rather than just releasing it when you felt it. You know what I mean? What, so what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. My feelings have been all over the board this week. I mean, on one hand, you had, you know, the, the president of the United States that was originally going to host a campaign rally in a very specific place of Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, 100 or 99 years after Black Wall Street is bombed on Juneteenth. Um, so at, at one hand, it's like, no, let's, let's lift our voices. Let's elevate our voices and, and drown out that crazy calculated move on their part on another yeah i mean it's it's been it's been really interesting like um i have you know a lot of my circle is black i don't wish anyone a happy juneteenth that feels very disingenuous to me like i'm happy for the holiday but to celebrate you know slavery going on in this country for what two more years three more years yeah three more years yeah. after yeah. abolition that's it's not a happy that's day that's it's embarrassing not a happy day yeah but then I did see on social media, somebody made an interesting point. You know, here we are, uh, Columbus Day. Christopher Columbus Day is still a federal holiday, and people are only now learning what Juneteenth is. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, like, let there be more awareness. But, you know, getting back to the music, I, I think we've had a week or two or three from late May, and now we get to see musicians in all genres respond and make real-time um, songs and and I you know you and I spoke about it last week and one of the great records that I had heard that I didn't bring up in the podcast was also End of Days by um, Spillage Village Earth Gang JID mm. and that record is is a phenomenal kind of page out of history out of recent history so they too belong in that conversation and that one came out two weeks ago. So which song of of the ones that dropped which ones hit you the most? Anderson, for sure. Um, you actually hit me to that. Both. I knew that it was. I knew that it was out, but I wasn't expecting that. You know, Anderson's been releasing a lot of music over the last year and a half, um, and I love Anderson's. Truly, one of my favorite artists since 2016, and even before that. But at the album stage, um, but man, and then the J Rock remix with that was, whoa! Like that. Oh, real. Unreal. Unreal. I mean, Unreal. okay, so, you know, someone uh, put me on, told me that uh, Anderson Pack song had come out yesterday. And you know what a fan I am. I've seen the dude like 15 times. There was, uh, there was like an 18 month period where I saw the dude like 15 times. It was absurd how many times I saw him. And every time was great. Um, you know, so I'm a super fan. Uh, but, but, you know, the last couple of albums have been okay to me. I didn't feel them as much as I did, like Malibu and Venice, um, you know, you know um, but part of it's because I had set him at such a high standard. It's still good music. But that song was, like, I thought one of his best. And so I listened to it on Spotify and was blown away. I sent it to you as my song of the day yesterday. And then I started reading about the powerful video. And so I tuned into the video, and the video was incredible incredible first of all and like the cameos and just like the expressions yeah. and like you know dave myers did his thing on that you know um i didn't realize it was dave myers that's yeah dope. it was dave myers yeah and then and then in the middle all of a sudden like j-rock has this verse and like it's it's kind of acapella but not really and he's kind of on beat but kind of not but like the, the yeah. jewels that he's dropping and he's the just substance. like going in just 
He's dropping bombs, but just so calm and laid back, just kicking game to Sid, you know, from the internet. Classic J-Rock, yeah. Man, man, you just forget how good that dude is, man. Like, he is, he's truly the OG of TDE, you know. Um, yeah. And then the way the video ended with Anderson just, you know, holding the sun and, and crying. Like, I think all of us, you know, a lot of us as parents, like, you know, it's really hard these days to try and make sense of the world to your kids, you know? Um, and so like that, that hit me too, but just the whole thing was just incredible. Um, why do yeah. you think that the J-Rock verse wasn't included on the streaming services? That's so bizarre to me too. Even when you mentioned Dave Myers, who worked so closely with TDE, I mean, both Anderson's no longer in the Interscope system. I'm not sure that he ever was. I mean, he is, is an aftermath. Oh. Uh, he's through Atlantic, which oh, I've never right. seen before. Um, through this other group, you know, uh, was a 21, um, there's another thing with Aftermath, you know, Anderson's one of those artists that's like, you know, game, like Shady, G-Unit, Aftermath. And, um, but yeah, and I mean, it's cool too. I mean, those guys won their Grammy together. Uh, so he's not Aftermath anymore than either. He is, he oh, is. Oh, but Aftermath has got to deal with Atlantic? I feel like it's just with Anderson. I've never seen them do that in any other any other situation, you know, where it's not Interscope because those companies were so hand in hand. Um, okay. And I'm not even, I mean, I don't think that Anderson's ever put an album out through the Interscope umbrella because both Venice and Oxnard were in the same field. I feel like I'm right on that. I could be mistaken on the first one on, um, on, on what was it? Oxnard first. And, uh, but what I loved about the record too, I mean, you know, Anderson's so hard to explain to people because he raps, he sings, he, you know, does his ad lib and his charisma. He plays the drums, he produces. Anderson really kind of on that song, I had this awakening and I'm like, wow, this is one of the closest things we've had to Q-Tip because Q-Tip can go and make, you know, these, these singing records and these records that are so out of the hip hop genre, you know, like what he did with Janet Jackson and then boom, come back and rap. And, Anderson raps on this song to me, you know, and I loved it because it was, it was a lot closer to Malibu, which is truly one of my favorite albums of the last five years. You know? Yeah, this is the best I've heard him rap on a song. Mm -hmm. It was so in the pocket with it, you know, uh, and, and the singing too, everything about it. I just thought it was a, like a perfect song. Now, I hope I've we get heard, the, I, I saw to some your comments point. Oh, on, on YouTube. Um, someone said that TDE was holding their music back from streaming services. Interesting. Well, uh, the reason joint is not on exactly. Yeah. So that made me, that made me wonder, huh? I wonder. I wonder if that's uh, why J Rock's verse wasn't included. That's interesting too, and it makes you wonder because TDE threatened to do that before when Spotify tested their censorship role. Yeah, you know, and TDE, who's never been in the crossfire of that, was just like, "Yo, this is the baby and the bathwater. We will do this our way." Um, and that's interesting. And, and truly TDE and, and Dreamville and Aftermath, like these labels have enough power to, to do a move where they can go otherwise. But they are, the, the link that you sent me was official on YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. Of the video, it had to be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's where videos live. Yeah. Um, interesting. I really hope, I mean, the funny thing about it is I stand for all of those business decisions and ownership um, movements. I treat my spot. I'm a Spotify user. And one of the reasons I never switched to title is because I have, I have seven years of documented playlists and I kind of keep a yearbook of things. And for me, like I'm, I'm there forever because of that. And I really want this song 
with with J Rock on it to be on the DSP, so I can kind of remember how I was feeling this weekend, you know, ten years from now. Yeah, we got to get it on that playlist, man. I mean, that, that yeah, that, that too. one is on there, but still, just incredible. That uh, too. You, you know, it's been a really quiet year for TDE. You know, there've been singles and everything, but there hasn't been an album this entire year from TDE, right? I'm trying to think if um the singers have put anything out uh sir i don't think so and um zakari may be i'm not but you're right i mean especially on the rap side no so you thinking you thinking they're gearing up for like an onslaught in the second half I, I can't i don't see them letting the whole year go by without doing something big probably not especially after i mean afh wasn't the only person brand making the comparisons of like wow after 2019 is dreamville kind of like maybe superior right. to tde right but no i can't imagine that but it also seems like a label of everything in its own time and um certainly you know we got a really dope absolverse recently everyone's like that that's the longest he's gone without a project it's been almost five years now right or yeah or you know and three um, for kendrick you know, and i'm um, i'm ready for reason because let's not forget i mean reasons put out a lot of Lucy's this year, but the the project that we got from Reason before was something that he had released online. It was just dressed up and, yeah. and re-released. So I'm ready for that true debut. And J-Rock is a year now, right? Uh, when came out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, the Beyonce song, too, just, it's just a huge day. Huge day for music. And so DJ Premier and Public Enemy. Uh, you know, that is that the first time they've worked together? Uh, I can't recall any time. Yeah, I can't either. I mean, I'm sure they performed together. Um, you know, there's some backstory there over the Ten Crack Commandments and the sample and some cool stuff there. <laughs> I know that but, story. uh, yeah, yeah, you, 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 <laughs> you definitely would. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think that they've ever worked together before that I can think of. Yeah. Um, yeah, big deal. You know, I, it wasn't my favorite PE track, you know. Um, Chuck's verse, you know, didn't really, I don't know, it, it didn't feel, it didn't hit in the same way, but I was happy to see them working together, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree. It was a, it was a you know, to the, uh, to the um, Don Lemon point, you know, like what, I wonder what Chuck Diaz is saying. Chuck Diaz is one of the most active Twitter accounts, but I'm just always curious. Like, you know, when, when things happen in this country, in this world, he is one of the people, you know, you and I were talking about like Killer Mike. I always want to know what Chuck has to say. And, you know, this, that song was like straight up geared at this week, this month, this year. And that was cool. But I do agree with you. I mean, in theory, the idea of Chuck D and DJ Premier coming together, um, in my mind, it's, it's something maybe I expected a little bit more than this, you know, especially knowing that both of these artists, both of these legends have made great things recently. I mean, Province of Rage had some joints and Chuck's voice was like booming on those. His voice was a little different on this one. And Premier's made some incredible productions lately. He just did a joint with Singapore Kane, who's been a gangstar affiliate out of Boston was one of my favorite primo beats of recent memory obviously gangstar album last year and this one was cool um and i respect it but it, it it's not my song of the week you know yeah 
So Father's Day, we started off talking about that. Um, there are a lot of dudes in hip hop now who are fathers. Um, you know, it's not a young man's game anymore. It's a very uh, multi-generational uh, genre at this point. But there is not a lot of music that acknowledges fatherhood. Mm. Um, you know, some of the notable ones are Nas's song, you know, uh, you know, Daughters, um, and uh, Will you know, Smith. Will with Smith. The Bill with yeah, great. Um, you know, Jay and Kanye will sprinkle it in, you know, periodically. You know, they'll make reference to Jay, especially to, you know, to Blue and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's not a focus a lot. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think hip-hop hasn't, like, gone to a place where parenthood is a subject that is, that's addressed thoroughly in music? Man, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... There's no good reason. I mean, do you have one? Yeah, you know, just in thinking about it, I think, uh, you know, hip-hop is built on machismo so much, you know, and, mm. um, you know, braggadocio and, and all the other stuff, and it doesn't necessarily line up because being a parent means, you know, sacrificing and putting something before yourself and trying to teach them, you know, uh, like break down the world for them and, you know, be a leader and things like that. And... Um, you know, a lot of what rap music is doesn't put that forth. You know, uh, I guess the conscious music does, like going back yeah. to the Coles and the Kendricks and the Crits and people like that. Um, but you know, talking about like how much money you got, how, how nice your car is, like you know, stuff like that is not necessarily, you know, something that people like line up with, like parents being a parent, you know. It's like kind of like you know when you're on a date, like uh, you know having the the, the baby seat in the car, the car seat. <laughs> yeah. It's not necessarily the best look, you know. So, you know, um, one of the things I'm thinking about too is like, is that a sacred place? Like, so many artists have made great songs about their fathers, for better and worse. You know, Papa was a player. You know, Jay Z. You know, Pops left me. You know, um, on and on. And Royce. I mean, look at the two records that he's made on his last two albums about his dad between cocaine and the the closer on the allegory but maybe people aren't so quick to talk about their children you know what i mean like um you know yeah i mean it, it's just and and people are being more and more um vulnerable and more personable personal but maybe it's not like yo i don't want my daughter to grow up in the public eye or my son that could be one reason um so with that said, I mean, one of the interesting projects that came out that wasn't protest music or Juneteenth music this week was Sky Zoo, who has been, you know, you and I, it feels like less than a month ago, we're just talking about his last EP, which was very much themed around jazz. He comes out with an album called Milestones, um, you know, album EP, call it what you will. And it's really interesting because it talks about his father and it also looks at Sky as a father. Um, and it uses as inspiration both on its artwork and its interludes um boys in the hood you know and the relationship of uh you know furious styles and trace styles and it's a really rich project and um you know sky is an artist that you know 15 years ago people were buzzing about but we've talked about this with a few other mcs i'm convinced that right now he's in the stride of his career and I don't see it slowing down. Yeah, it, that's interesting that he uses Boys in the Hood. Like, that was a very powerful image of a father for me. I have a really good friend that, you know, is more like a brother. 
who names his son Trey. You know, hmm. um, I recently watched that with my son, and uh, afterwards he said, "Yo, you know, Furious kind of reminds me of you," which like I, I took to just be like uh, one of the most amazing compliments because I aspire to be that kind of balance of the father. You know, Furious to me was like a person who was. He was a strong dude and, and very much a father, you know, uh, but he could also still have like, you know, friendly conversations and be like, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, kid around with his, with his son too, you know, like uh, that. There's this one scene where um, they're in the kitchen and Trey comes in and he's like, yo, you know, pops, can you, can you give me a haircut? And he's like, he just goes, I'm eating. Like, you know, like, boy respect me you see me eating here just, you know calm down like i got you but calm down and but then you know a second later he's in the chair and like you know he's sniffing on you know he's like you know it's like yeah yeah you get you got any trim yet you know like and uh he's like uh and he laughs and says he has and they have a you know father-son conversation about yeah. you know um about you know relationships and just that kind of balance it was like pretty like pretty pretty amazing you know um so yeah that that i mean just growing up watching that movie probably 25 to 50 times in my life um so my favorite character in the whole movie is Lawrence yeah. Fishburne Furious Styles and you know that and i grew up with a father that wasn't in the house but that had a important presence in my life that way and yeah, I mean, that character, I always think of that scene of, you know, them standing on the vacant lot and him educating the entire community. Yeah. Um, that and, you know, obviously the fishing scene where he talks about Vietnam, um, just yeah. powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. Great movie. Rest in, rest in peace with John Singleton. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think I they there were some great interviews about where that character really stemmed from, and it has very real lineage to John's own life, you know. Oh, really? I don't so, know Which that. is probably why it's so resonant, you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, Morpheus. Um, yeah, man, so big week. Uh, the Beyonce song, any any thoughts about that one? Yeah, I mean, not a, not a lot of deep thoughts. I, I played it a couple times. I actually didn't know that it happened. This was one of the quieter release weeks for me of, like, Friday wasn't about consuming um, music. I just had, a like you last week, a bunch of other things going on. Um, but really great record and, and something that I hope, I mean, Beyonce's reach is so strong. So as we talk about edu educating people that might not have grown up with any idea what it feels like to be black or what it feels like to be living in, in these times that closely, I hope this record does some of that work. Um, you know, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it adds to a really strong, body of work that she's had you know i think it started with uh, the super bowl you know yeah. um that super bowl halftime performance was just unreal in its power and like uh its aggressiveness and militancy you know and then she followed it up with the, the coachella performance and i'm so mm. like uh sad that i missed it but you know the the, the homecoming documentary uh on netflix was just incredible like just i had chills watching that and that also was a real embracing of black heritage, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and she's had it in other videos too. Uh, the video uh, "We Like to Party," um, you know, um, and you know, even with Lemonade, she had a lot of lot of imagery, very powerful imagery, and strong black imagery in it too. So I think, you know, Beyonce, you know, it's really amazing to see how her career has evolved. You know, she started in a girl group and. You know, very light, you know, 
um, can you pay my bills? Like, you know, tech music. The, 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 yeah, the war with, with uh, sporty pigeons or sporty thieves, like yeah, caught yeah, up yeah. in that stuff. Yeah, to exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, yeah, they were going against TLC. But then, um, right. Uh, then, you know, she evolved into like, you know, um, you know, just singing about, you know, women's problems and like, you know, being that, that, that rep for women, like, and, and like, uh, empower, like, you know, girls around the world, like, you know, very strong feminist voice. Then she evolved into, you know, relationship and, you know, motherhood. And now she's taken on like an activist thing. So she, her career, she's just had so many different branches of it. You know, it's pretty, pretty amazing to to watch. She's not eligible as far as I understand in terms of age, but you know, you, you and I have said about killer Mike and other people, Beyonce could be president in our lifetime, you know, if she wanted to be. And um, yeah. And I mean, I, I really do. That was a tipping point with the NFL. And it's so interesting because if I'm not mistaken, that was before, you know, Colin ever started taking a knee. I might be wrong on that, but I don't think so. And now here we are, and the NFL is coming full circle, and both Roger Goodell and even, you know, Trump have gone back, in in my estimation, in my perception of of, of Colin Kaepernick, you know. And Beyonce is, is one of the drivers of change there, because I remember how many people were upset about the lyrics and the fist and even the choreography of that show. Yeah, so the NFL has taken, uh, well, Roger Goodell specifically, right, um, has taken some um, very different stances regarding uh, you know, what's going on in the world than they did four years ago. You know, Goodell came out and said we made a mistake uh, with how we, we, we dealt with the, the protests, and now he's saying that that uh, Kaepernick should get signed to a team. Like, uh, how much of that do you think is related to Jay-Z. Do you think he's behind the scenes uh, orchestrating some of this, or do you, th- do you think it's a result of uh, what's shifting the world over the last few weeks? I think on this particular issue, it's a it's the latter. Um, I just think the NFL, and I'm, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I, I love football on Sunday. <laughs> I think the NFL is just showing how archaic their political stance has been. And, you know, they're years late on this, and I think Jay, when he orchestrates something, it's much smarter than this. And Goodell making that statement this month or this week, um, and even Trump's tweets about Colin Kaepernick, they all just look like, um, you know, like when somebody's wrong in an argument years later, like, oh, yeah, I didn't mean that. Um, And there has been serious implications of this chasm over the last five years, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting. Beyonce is at the forefront. I mean, Jay has played a huge role in it up you know, I mean, sure, there was the stuff in, in 2019, but even ahead of driving the discourse, wearing Collins jersey on SNL, using lyrics, um, all of that. I mean, they have been drivers of change. But this stuff right now, no, I don't, I don't think that that's Jay because I just don't think the NFL looks um, – I don't think they come up smelling like a rose on this one. Nah, they they look uh, slow and reactionary and like they're um, catering uh, yeah. more so than like actually sincere. Yeah. yeah. You know, I watched the, did you, did you by any chance listen to the Rush Limbaugh interview on the Breakfast Club? No, I, tell me about it. Yeah. So I listened to that today. I've been meaning to get to it. It happened maybe a week or so ago. Uh, and I, I just wanted to, um, I wanted to see how Charlemagne handled him. You know, because mm-hmm. you know, Rush is uh, a wily veteran, and yeah. 
you know, uh, a leader of the bully pulpit um, um, for decades now. And it was interesting. You know, first of all, it was interesting to me the way that they set it up because they had Envy read a statement. Like, he read a statement basically almost like, um, it was almost like apologizing or, you know, or but or not apologizing, but justifying why they would speak to Rush Limbaugh, you know, yeah. and, um, and then afterwards they did the same thing. And it was all about, you know, we, you know, as a platform need to, you know, if we're going to move forward, we need to like have discussions with people with opposing viewpoints and, you know, this is, you know, the way to do that and stuff like that. And it was interesting to me that we've gotten to a point where we have to justify having conversations with people who have different, different points. Yeah. And it, it comes back to the, the whole like whole no name Twitter thing, right? Where, yeah. Um, you know, we've moved so far away from conversation, you know, like just even allowing for diverse viewpoints and allowing for people to talk to someone who thinks differently is like, that's a bad thing. Like that's, that's a terrible place to be, you know? Um, I agree with you. I grew up, I went to, you know, a private school, predominantly white, lived in a black neighborhood. Um, I had to be able to have conversations with, you know, all people. And I believe it's helped me to relate to people in general. You know, um, I'm sure that a lot of people that I grew up with are Trump supporters, right? Mm -hmm. and, but I also know that they care deeply about me. And I believe we have a lot more in common yeah. than we do differences, but we've been forced to be polarized. But if we would sit down and actually have conversations, I believe we could reach common ground, you know, and, and, and move ahead. But now we put ourselves in a, in a place where we can't have conversations and it's just like we're, we're fractured. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, one of the things that I, if on Father's Day, if I ever have children, I will tell them, you know, like I, Killer Mike didn't come up with it, but he's always been an advocate of, you know, get to know people that are different than you. If you're a man, have, have women friends that are not in the context of, a romantic relationship, you know, different faith groups, different classes, different levels of ability, you know, so on and so forth. And that is one of the most valuable things. And and for me, to me, that is, that is some of the best conversation that there is, is, you know, from two people that don't see the world in a public setting. And let's not, you know, Charlemagne in particular has done some of the, has been part of some of the most interesting political reporting of right now. I mean, to me, the, the Joe Biden comment, you know, of, you know, if you vote for Trump, you ain't black, which is from one white guy to another cringeworthy, um, beyond belief. That is the 2020 answer to Bill Clinton going on Arsenio with the saxophone and the shades on. Like that is, so it absolutely, that conversation should live here. So apart from all that, I mean, I'm curious, was there any highlight of Rush talking to, the breakfast club um uh, you know he did at least acknowledge that there was zero justification for uh the behavior of Derek Chauvin he said that he thought he should be he should be charged with first degree murder and that his uh, fellow police officers should also be charged he said no excuses no just categorically that was an act of evil so that that was cool but then he denied he denied uh he, he basically said that the, the notion of white privilege was a um, construct by the Democratic Party. And wow. he, he, he also kind of denied the, um, the notion of any kind of white supremacist system. Um, so, you know, um, 
it devolved into you know just kind of like a like a, a political like dance you know yeah. and it wasn't really in my mind a genuine conversation but i was glad that they did it at least you know just and un- unlike joe biden i mean rush has nothing to gain i mean he's he's not out here pushing a book or anything is he you know he mentioned um their power as a morning show and a couple times yeah. So I'm thinking that like maybe he's lost a little bit of his luster and is trying to like pitch. Yeah, I wouldn't. A bit. I wouldn't know. I mean, I know of his health issues, but I mean, we're also living in an era of swaps. You know, like, you know, Joe Budden goes on Joe Rogan, if I'm not mistaken. You have Mike Tyson like guesting on other shows, and we're living in that time of like let's share audiences, which we never got. I don't think Star and Buck Wild were ever guests on the Stern Show, and I don't think Stern was ever you know, a guest on, so it's different times and we're just like building audiences and trying to get all that up. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of Rush Limbaugh fans that'll be tuned in to, uh, NBE and Charlemagne the God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. Probably so. Uh, well, you got anything else, man? Not this week. It was really good just to see music kind of leading the way. Um, yeah, yeah I'm trying to think, Oh, well, I didn't tune in. I'll give you that. But did you uh, tune in for Alicia Keys versus John Legend? You know, dude, I completely <laughs> forgot about it. Like, I, I literally completely forgot. Yeah. Friday night, I was like, oh, you know. And, um, um, you know, I, I did watch a little bit of YouTube, but I saw, like, John Legend two-step, and I was like, nah, I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Uh, and, but, you know, this, we speculated that it could get to a million, right? You know, um, we, we talked about that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think I jumped on that hill and I was like, it could go over a million. Did it? Doug, when I, saw, I looked at it like in the middle and it was 147,000. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was. Yeah, that's funny. That's foul, man. Yeah. You, you take pride in that as an r no. hater, don't you? No, <laughs> no, man. You got me all wrong. <laughs> I'm going to play uh, sweat all afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I was really shocked, but you know, it was a Friday. Uh, things are opening back up again. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been a crazy few weeks in the world. Uh, it was a lot. So, but I was surprised. I was surprised. I'm wondering like if it'll still have legs, you know, as the world opens back up. Or I, it's a unique situation. I think they need to move it into the week personally. I mean, that's what the reasons you said. And, um, you know, I live in a predominantly black neighborhood and Juneteenth celebrations were not only going on well into the night Friday of fireworks of, of people, you know, congregating and, you know, just hanging out, enjoying outside and, and, you know, being proud, they continued all weekend long. So I don't know that people were ready to like go inside and, you know, turn on YouTube and, and do this um, or, or Instagram, you know? So yeah, um, yeah I didn't, uh, I didn't tune in. I didn't even see anyone state who they thought won. I did see on the AFH, you know, Twitter timeline, folks were just kind of vibing out, remembering good records that both artists have made throughout their catalog. Yeah. What was so, that? I have no clue. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, 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 if that was anything, my dog just learned how to talk, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I need to find a way to monetize that. Make sure, exactly. <laughs> He'll be our next guest, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, then they'll go on Breakfast Club and get that money. <laughs> right, right, right. So what's your song of the week, man, before I let you go? Yo, hands down, man, it's Lockdown, Anderson yeah. Pack song. That song just, I listened to it probably 10 times yesterday. It, incredible. Just love, love, love that song. 
Um, yeah. How about you? No, I'm, I'm going to – it wasn't my song of the day yesterday, but I kept playing it. It absolutely – I'm going to agree with you. We've never had the same one that I think. But that's it with the J-Rock verse. Um, you know, Anderson's made some really cool music since Malibu and, and the first No Worries album. Um, but this – I think this is the best thing I've heard from him since 2016. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right, man. Well, you know, always a pleasure. And, Likewise, uh, man. Happy Father's Day. I hope you get to spend it with the family. Thank you, man. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I know we got some cool guests coming up, so. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Look out yeah. for that. Yeah. All right, Look man. That. Peace. All right, man. Bye.